Hello, and welcome to the commentary for Lesson 370, Hosea Chapter 10. So, more of God's wrath. Yay, we love that. <laughs> um, if you remember, in the last lesson, we talked about Gibeah, and that was something that happened in Gibeah, and that was something God refers to that he will not forget. Back in chapter 9, verse 9, it said, The things my people do are as depraved as what they did in Gibeah long ago. God will not forget. So remember, that was the story about the Levite. It's in Judges 19, the Levite and his concubine. And they were in the land of Benjamin, and the the men of Benjamin did horrible things. They um, they raped her all night long, and she ended up dying. And so all of the other tribes in, of Israel basically went to war against the tribe of Benjamin, their own people. And so the reason I touched on that again is because chapter 10 will refer to that event in Gibeah again. Um, verse 9, ironically, it was verse 9 in chapter 9 and also verse 9 in Hosea 10. That's just interesting. Um, but it refers again, the Lord says, O Israel, ever since Gibeah, there has been only sin and more sin. You have made no progress whatsoever. So again, referring back again to that event in Gibeah, you know, they all went to war over that because they recognized the evil that happened there that night. And so God is saying now, he's saying, you are just as bad as them. Uh, was it not right that the wicked men of Gibeah were attacked? Now, whenever it fits my plan, I will attack you too. I will call out the armies of the nations to punish you for your multiplied sins. So God is telling the people, you're just as bad as they are now. This has gotten out of control. Okay, so now let's go back to the beginning of chapter 10. Verse 1, how prosperous Israel is, a luxuriant vine loaded with fruit. But the richer the people get, the more pagan altars they build. The more bountiful their harvest, the more beautiful their sacred pillars. The hearts of the people are fickle. They are guilty and must be punished. I want to go real quickly to Exodus 23, verse 24. You must not worship the gods of these nations or serve them in any way or imitate their evil practices. Instead, you must utterly destroy them and smash their sacred pillars. Okay, remember that? So remember in Deuteronomy 12, God gives laws to Moses for the way the people would live. Um, but specifically in Deuteronomy 12, he gave laws of the sanctuary. So there were very specific, and I'm not going to go into it because it was a lot of stuff. Um, but we can imagine the basics of what God said. Perhaps you remember in these laws of the sanctuary, they were breaking all of these laws. Instead, they were participating in the practices of these other nations, which, like I said, in quoting Exodus 23:24, these other nations were supposed to be utterly destroyed. These evil practices that they did were not to be copied in any way by the Israelites. I'm going to read that scripture again. You must not worship the gods of these nations or serve them in any way or imitate their evil practices. Instead, you must utterly destroy them and smash their sacred pillars. Obviously, they haven't. And they've forgotten their foundation. 
They've forgotten what God instructed them to do. Easy English Bible Commentary makes a note that they had special stones that they thought would bring them blessings of food. But this was nowhere in God's law. This was against his law. And the people basically just wanted to live for themselves. And in an odd way, they thought what they were doing was pleasing to God. But their altars and stones were now a way to different gods. So we do that when we forget our foundation and we start to incorporate all these other ideas and, and religious practices. Sometimes we don't even realize it's a cultic religious practice or a pagan religious practice. We just say, I mean, think of new agey things, right? You just kind of think, well, that sounds reasonable or that's a good idea or that's cool. And you just kind of incorporate it into your practices. They've done that, but they've slipped so far away from what God had designed for them, what God had in store for them, um, that they will miss the blessings. The Lord will break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Verse 3, then they will say, we have no king because we, because we didn't fear the Lord. But even if we had a king, what could he do for us anyways? So remember, they didn't have a king to start. God was supposed to be their king, but they insisted on being like the other nations. So they decided they wanted a king. So God said, all right, we'll do the king thing. So Saul became king, then King David. But then we see that king after king, they became more and more evil and they go through longer periods of having evil kings. And in verse four, it says, for Israel's kings, they spout empty words and make covenants they don't intend to keep. So, yeah, when they say, but even if we had a king, what would he do for us anyways? We can't trust anything that they say, right? The kings of Israel, they made treaties with other countries. They basically paid, oftentimes paid taxes to buy protection for Israel. But we know that the foreign kings could not be trusted and time and time again, regardless of the treaties or the taxes paid, these foreign nations, these foreign kings did not fulfill their agreements as promised. And so Israel put their faith in the wrong things. God told them that time and time again, do not trust these other foreign nations to protect you. I am your protector. I am your God. So none of this helped Israel, and their treaties were useless. Also, the kings of Israel served as judges, and they were to be fair and impartial, but in their greed, they also were accepting bribes from the people that came to court. So, of course, that would affect their decision-making, and they were no longer useful in the courts. Verse 5, the people of Samaria tremble in fear, for what might happen to their calf idol at beth -Avon. Remember, Samaria is another name for Israel. They're used interchangeably. So the people of Israel tremble in fear for what might happen to the... They had a golden calf idol in beth -Avon. And remember, beth -Avon is a new name for Bethel, which means house of evil things. It was renamed. It was so bad. Okay. The people mourn and the priests wail because its glory will be stripped away. This idol will be carted away to Syria. And the Assyrian army will take it away when they win the war. 
uh, Ephraim will be ridiculed and Israel will be shamed because its people have trusted in this idol. Samaria, meaning Israel, and its king will be cut off. They will float away like driftwood on an ocean wave. And the pagan shrines of Avon, the place of Israel's sin, will crumble. Okay, the Lord says, verse 9, O Israel, ever since Gibeah, there has been only sin and more sin. You have made no progress whatsoever. We talked about that before. Again, he's referring to that event that happened in Gibeah. Um, And then verses 11 through 12, God's talking, basically saying, you know, I had good things in store for you. I had many blessings coming. You All you had to do was seek me. And if you did that, I would shower you with righteousness. Verse 13, but you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruit of lies, trusting in your military might, believing that great armies could make your nation safe. So your military cannot save you now. Now the terrors of war will rise among your people. All your fortifications will fall. They built up these strong walls. So their military cannot protect them. Their strong walls, their fortifications that they've made will not protect them. So, you know, when you think about the things that they're putting their faith in, it's safe to say that we today put our faith in things too, other than God. I mean, we read his word. In theory, we believe what it says, right? But we also sort of try to take control of our own futures And we do put our faith in the wrong things. A great example is fallout shelters, prepping. We think um, having loads of wealth, gold and silver, that will save us. Um, There's people that think our planet is self-destructing. They want to get on a shuttle to Mars. I mean, crazy stuff we think is going to protect us. And God's saying none of the things you do will protect you. They will not protect you from God's wrath, and that's what is due to the people of Israel for their choices. I want to go back to Deuteronomy, um, just kind of revisit God's intentions. And not only his intentions, what he had in store for them, but also their disobedience was predicted long ago. All throughout Deuteronomy 31 and 32, you can see it, but it starts in Deuteronomy 31 where God is speaking to Moses, um, telling him, you're about to die. After you are gone, these people will begin to worship foreign gods, the gods of the land they, where they were going. They will abandon me and break my covenant that I have made with them. And then God says, his anger will blaze forth against them. So we've seen this happen before. It happens again and again. There's a cycle that goes around and around. But verse 19 in Deuteronomy 31, this is especially interesting, and I forgot about this until I turned back here. Um, it's God is telling Moses, so write down the words of this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Help them to learn it so it may serve as a witness for me against them. So when all of these bad things happen, they will think, oh yeah, I remember that song. Oh gosh, God told us. Oh gosh, he warned us. We knew this was going to happen. And so all of this was predicted. It's a long passage in Deuteronomy. It starts at the end of Deuteronomy 31, the song of Moses. 
So Moses recited the entire song publicly to the assembly of Israel. And I'll just sum it up for you. The first section is about the Lord God. It's declaring that the Lord God himself wrote this song. Goes into how great God is. Then there's a whole one, two, three, four verses about how foolish the Israelites are. Then there's several verses about how he cared for them. And then they grew complacent and unruly. And so it goes on and on. And and basically it maps out and predicts all of the steps involved in this disobedience by Israel. So they're believing in the wrong things. They've forgotten where they came from. They've forgotten the law of God. They've forgotten the prediction of God. They're not heeding any of the warnings. They're partaking and basically making religious practices to false gods part of their own religious practices. And they're so foolish that they don't even realize that that's offensive to God. They think they're doing good things. They think they're pleasing God. So it just goes to show you they, they would know that, that what they were doing wasn't pleasing to God if they were in the word, if they were reading the scripture, the word that he had preserved for them, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible that Moses wrote, if they, they had that, but obviously they didn't know it. They certainly didn't refer to it. They certainly didn't live by it. So here's the culmination of what happens. And um, that's basically where we leave off. That's it really today. I hope you all have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.